I said this in the first service. I think the best sermon that's ever been preached uh, was preached at 9 o'clock and preached last night. And I don't have that big of a head, so I'm not talking about myself, but you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, God has called this community right here through the words of Jesus to be an alternate city. And that means that we are a community of people, a counterculture. Please just just listen to him and, and don't see me. Um, I'm Steph Patton, and I live in Coopersville with my husband and four children. And God has literally given me a street corner. I'm a blessing guard for a Coopersville school. Um, my corner is Easton Grove. I stand right at the entrance of the campus to the school. And... Um, the thing that God has impressed on me is that he's, he wants me to pray for Coopersville. And, he, and so I've just given just like a general prayer when I started feeling this call, like God's just saying, you, just have, to, you have to pray for these people. Um, it was just a general prayer. To, you know, God, bless every person that goes through this intersection. Let them feel a touch of your finger in their lives today. And um, then it was like, let your kindness and your peace abound at this intersection because I didn't want any accidents on my watch. And so, um, and, and so just little things like that. And then also just crossing the kids and their parents and getting to, you know, smi I smile and wave at everybody. So if you go through my intersection, you'll get a smile and a wave out of me, and I'm probably going to be praying for you, um, not really knowing specifically. But having the interaction with the kids and the parents that I do, um, I get to hear stories from them. And so God nudges me to pray in that direction for them or to pray whatever it is, whatever they may be struggling with or whatever God has blessed them with and just to be able to be a part of their lives. And um, I also have to be honest with you and just tell you that there are days I do not want to go stand at my corner. I in no way want to get out of my bed and go pray for those people. Um, but God told me if I don't pray for them, then who will? And so God is just awesome. I mean, he gets me up and he gets me going. And, and I stand at my corner and, I, and he gives songs to me, so I'm praising him. And then I start praying for people. And, and I see people in downtown or in the grocery store, and they're like, yeah, we see you, and, you, and your lips are moving. Yep, they are. Um, and I just tell them I'm, I'm either singing or praying. And they're like, oh, okay. And, um, but God has just given me so many opportunities um, to share him. And, and um, he's worked on my heart. I, I, my prayer is, God, give me your heart for these people. He is. Um, the verse that I pray every day, um, probably for the last month, is Galatians 2.20. And it, I'm not just saying it. I'm believing it. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This life that I live in the flesh, I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's it. And um, I just want to leave you with this story because it's just a good reminder that God is here and God is working. It's a story of this, of this little boy who I see every morning and I can't see his face. I can't see it at all. But every morning, he's going like this to me, and just five little fingers waving at me because he knows I'm there. And God said to me, Steph, I'm here. You may not ever see me. You may not know what I'm doing, but I'm here. So I just give testimony to God. My name is Steph Patton. I'm a sinner humbled by his love. God's awesome. Um, Josh Buck uh, called me this, well, we've been talking for a while. Uh, Josh, you've been coming to our church for how long now? Yeah, and I don't know if people know this, but um, I think a lot of people probably know your story, and you'll share a little bit now, but um, it, Josh just said, you know, we love Greenhouse, the church where we're a part of. And, of course, this isn't about green Greenhouse or Crossroads because, my goodness, we're all on the same team, right? But yet he said, you know what? I've wanted to be a part of this community. And uh, this week he just said, you know, I, that's not just for the next eight months. I, I want this to, is, this is our church. And so I don't know if you know that, but I just uh, thought, you know, you, you guys have heard about Josh and now he's sharing. And I want you to know that you're hearing from a guy that, 
has now made this community his community. So, um, Josh, you shared something with me last week that I thought, wow, um, just about in light of Jonah, God removing vines, and you pretty much said, you know what, that's, that's me. God removed my vine, he removed my comfort. And uh, why don't you just kind of speak into that? Um, it really, it really kind of starts, uh, Shelly and I got married in, in 2000, and um, I, was a, I was a pastor. I pastored in um, Indiana and in California. And I think, I think just growing up in a Christian home, Christian high school, Christian college, I kind of felt like, you know, if I, if I am a follower of Christ and I'm, you know, obedient for the most part, he's going to bless me and nothing bad will really happen in my life. You know, it's kind of like this, if I give God my obedience, he's going to sprinkle blessing dust down on me and everything will be fine. And in, uh, in August of 2005, uh, Shelly and I lost a daughter. She was three months old. Her name was Ava. And that was um, obviously very traumatic. And so, you know, that, that changes who you are and changes what life is about. And um, about uh, about a year and a half later, we were, uh, or Shelly was pregnant again, and we were starting to say, you know what, this kind of feels like uh, we can actually wake up in the morning and not feel like we're getting kicked in the stomach. You know, we're kind of healing from this a little bit. This is pretty awesome. Um, and a couple weeks later uh, is when my accident was in January of, of 2007. Uh, so, uh, had surgery in Miami, um, was at Mary Freebed for a couple months, um, and came home. And so I think that to a certain extent, I was content to, to let God use me in that way, that I would share my story, that I still loved God, even though all this stuff happened, uh, which was true, but who I was inside really wasn't who God was calling me to be, um, I was still a fairly, fairly selfish person, I think. Um, you know, God, had, God had been trying to break me all along, I think, and I was really never humbling myself and being broken. I've always probably struggled with uh, arrogance a little bit and with humility, and God was really speaking to me in those ways, I think. And this really started coming to a head probably in probably this past November, in about the middle of November, but it was even it was even damaging uh, my marriage in, in pretty uh, intense way, just who I was and that I was not, you know, I was not humbling myself and I wasn't broken in the way that God was calling me to be, um, even though I had experienced all this uh, kind of some of this trauma. So it really it really came to a head in a big way and. Um, I just realized what my family meant to me and what losing them would even look like. And God really just brought me, uh, I guess figuratively brought me to my knees, but even more than that, I was just coming face to face with who I was as a person. And it took, it took that and it took, you know, even the thought of what would it look like even to lose my family. It took all that to to break me and for me to throw myself at God in the way that he was wanting me to do all along. Um, and I can just honestly say that since then, God uh, has been just exploding in my life, and his spirit has been just revolutionizing who I am. Um, and all along, I feel like I was still a fairly, fairly confident person, but can even just say with so much passion right now that I am, I am blessed in such amazing ways. I would rather I would rather be me and have my life than anyone else on this planet. That God um, has gifted me with an amazing wife, with an amazing family, um, and just who he has called me to be is so humbling and I'm so excited about. That the, the voice he's given me and the, even the opportunities that I have are far beyond what I deserve and far beyond what I can even imagine. Um, and so I'm so excited about that right now. I'm so excited about the point of life he has me at. Um, and so last week, Rod and I were talking just a little bit. Um, and Randy said, uh, last week at some point, he said, um, and I, I forget who he was quoting, but he's heard people mentioning that 
the church in West Michigan is a sleeping giant. Um, the church in Grand Rapids is a sleeping giant. I think that that phrase sleeping giant, I've heard of once before, and I forget who it was, but in World War II, somebody asked a, a Japanese admiral or emperor or somebody um, what he thought after Pearl Harbor. He was really excited. And this, this guy said, I fear we've uh, woken a sleeping giant, speaking of America. And that's really what it took. It took Pearl Harbor for us to get into World War II and to really throw all of our weight and all of our passion behind it and to achieve this amazing victory in World War II. Um, so I guess the question is, um, for Jonah, it took you know this, this vine being taken away. Uh, last week, I think you mentioned Augustine and what it took in his life for him to become a Christian. For America to, to wake up in, in World War II, it took this huge trauma of Pearl Harbor. For me in my life, it took all this pain, and it took even the thought of what does it look like for me to, you know, what would it look like if I lost my family? You know, it took all of this trauma for God to break me. And for me to be humbled and to be obedient, it took this, you know, all this trauma in my life. So I guess the question is, is it going to take trauma for us in, in West Michigan to wake up and to be the city that God is calling us to be? Does it take this trauma? And I think each of us can look into our lives and, and see that, that we can tend to be complacent. Each one of us has a different story. You know, what is it that God is calling you to be and what is it going to take for you to be that person? We can be so self-reliant as Americans. Uh, we can be so self-reliant being upper middle class and having all of this stuff that we have and having the income that we have. Is it going to take God taking that away from you for you to be the person that God is calling you to be. Obviously, no one can answer that except, except you and, and God. But I think that is the challenge. And as we talk about the city, and as we, uh, we talk about who we're supposed to be, can we go home today and say, ah, church was great today? Or do we go home today and say, God is calling me to not be complacent and to not rely on my material possessions but for me to begin to be the city and for me to come together as the church and to bless others and to bless God instead of being complacent and to really wake this sleeping giant that the church is in West Michigan, West Michigan to be who all God has called us to be. My name is Tony Kubot. Live on a, in a neighborhood of 50 people, 50 houses. Street has about 10. It's got a few more. Um, I keep losing track because I run out of fingers how many houses there are. But um, God's been really working there just a little bit at a time. Um, you know, Rod about six weeks ago said he wanted to talk about God of this city. And, uh, and then John DeVries came in and, and talked about um, how small groups of prayer and churches praying for their neighborhoods um, just started to see changes. And, uh, and I walked out, and I was like, God, this city's big. My neighborhood's 50 houses. It's too many people. It's like, well, how about your street? Like, how about three houses, God? <laughs> So I told my wife and kids, I said, we're going to pray for our street. I said, we're going to pray for three houses. I said, we're going to pray that, I said, we're going to pray for 40 days, because it seemed, you know, 40 days, biblical number, right? <laughs> and uh, so it turned into like two months because we took vacation. <laughs> but we prayed for these three houses, and our prayer was that at the end of our time, they would join us in praying for our street. And, uh, you know, like halfway through this, you know, I, I was ready. I was just like, what if I just let it go? 
you know, and, and Rod had spoke that week some more about God of this city, and I emailed him, and I was like, you know, I'm so glad you said that because I was ready to just let this go, and thanks for and uh and then uh, I'm listening to some U2, and, and they have this song called Yahweh, and, uh, you know, the end of the song says, take this city, the city should be shining on a hill, take this city if it be your will. But then it goes on, it says, what no man can own, no man can break. Take this heart and make it break. And, and that just nailed me. And, uh, you know, so we kind of re redoubled our efforts. And for those of you who think that praying for our neighborhood consists of my whole family laying face down on the floor for every Saturday, it looks more like, God, thanks for our dinner, and, and we pray for these three houses on our street to join us in prayer. Um, we just showed up. And God pretty much did everything else. So what did he do? Um, well, you know, on Monday, my oldest daughter and I went to the three houses, and we took him an invitation and said, why don't you come over Friday, have some snacks with us, and we want to invite you to join us to pray for this street. And pretty much the general response was, you know, we've been thinking about praying for our neighbors. we got to do that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, my daughter's nine, and she was like, Dad, Dad, did you hear what they said? They've been thinking about this. And I was like, well, yeah, we've been talking to God about it, kiddo. <laughs> so they showed up, and we had some really good brownies and lemon bars that my wife made. And, and then we just sat down and we prayed. And, you know, my wife was like, we prayed with the neighbors. This is incredible. Um, and... You have to understand, we've lived there a year. We have lived in four places in 23 months prior to moving there. Four different places in three different cities. So, you know, the whole feeling at home thing is, has been very foreign to us until recently. Um, but, you know, we prayed with the neighbors, which was really cool. But then you just hear the needs. Hey, you know, and, you know, I said, I don't want this to be a gossip session, but they were like, hey, so-and-so, they need prayer for their marriage. One guy's wife, or one guy's father passed away very recently. Um, you know, and just the needs of, of people on the street that God can meet. Um, it's a funny, one of the weirdest things is there's this guy across the street who's never talked to me since we moved in in a year. The day that I told my family we were going to do this, and I told them because I knew if I didn't tell them, I'd keep it quiet and I'd forget about it on purpose. <laughs> he comes over while I'm shoveling snow, and he's like, hey, man, I just lost my job. I got a good sufferance package, but, you know, I lost my job. And I'm like, God, this dude never talked to me before. Put him on the list. <laughs> and uh, so we've been praying, and I just feel like God has taken... Um, this in a, he's taken his finger and just drawn it down the middle of our street and just has plans. And I don't know what they are. And, you know, listening to the Hughleys and Glendennings, when you hear their story, I'm like, oh, God, I started with three. I'm not ready to go the place where they're going, but they weren't when they started either. So it's kind of scary hearing some of the stories where they go. But anyway, we showed up. God's doing stuff. I don't know where he's going to go with it. Um, but he is working, and, um, you know, we just showed up and started praying. And my name's Tony, and I serve a magnificent God. Hello there. My name is Marcy Smith, and like Steph said, doing this the third time, you'd think it'd get easier, but wow. Um, I stand up here before you humbled. Um, like Rod said, we are very ordinary people who serve a huge God, and he does miracles um, through just ordinary, unschooled people, and I'm here to witness that. Um, I'm married to Kevin, and we are raising four awesome kids, and um, my first place, Kevin's first place is to give peace and shade is to each other and to our four kids and uh, provide a place where they can come in after being in the chaos of the world and feel the peace and love of Jesus Christ in our home. Um, 
But after that, we have really been praying as a family. Prayer has been this common theme here today, and we are testifying to God that when you start praying things, God answers, and he answers in ways that you never dreamed that he would answer, never even prayed. Um, but we prayed. I, we just said a simple prayer, God, we want to know you more. And God has blown our eyes wide open with that simple prayer. Um, he has shown us so much about ourselves. He's shown us so much about him. In fact, the more we know him, the more we don't know him. I mean, his ways are so much higher than what we can ever imagine. Um, but this God that we've had in a box for so long um, is just blowing us away by his extraordinary love and ways. And, um, and so as a, as a family in our community of Byron Center, um, we are just blessed to have lots of opportunity to minister alongside the community. And uh, we are a big sports family, and my husband's a big, he's been coaching ball for years, and I'm a bleacher mom, and um, find God's given me great opportunity in the bleachers just to um, engage in people's lives. And I've been shade to people. People have been shade to me. Um, and that's how God works in simple conversations. Um, but God's doing something more, and he has given us eyes and opportunity to go outside of our town and drive down to the city. And um, wow, that city used to be a scary place to us, and we used to think of the city as a place that we don't go down. And um, God's breaking our heart for the city. Um, he's breaking our heart not even breaking it. He is, we're falling in love with the people there. They are such awesome people. And um, we have grown to know Jesus Christ through hearing their walks and their stories. Um, over the last couple of years, God's given our family a couple, two opportunities to go to Africa. And, um, yeah, we... God has just shown us so much. He says over and over in God's word that his heart is for the orphan and for the widow and for the oppressed and the brokenhearted. And I know we can go, I'm oppressed and I'm brokenhearted and God fixed me and we can go to our home and to our neighborhood and to the city and across the world. It doesn't matter where we go. But he used Africa to show us that his heart is there. He's there. And um, we feel like God, over through this whole thing, has shown us that we have divided hearts. We love God and his kingdom, but we love the comfort of our world, and that we will serve God in the comfort of what we're comfortable with. And he's stripping us of a lot of things, of pride, of comfort, of security. Um, and we don't know where this ride's going to take us. It may just land us right where we're at and praise the Lord if we do. But we are learning that when we can abide in Jesus Christ. In John 15 it says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, abide in me. And I am learning that um, all we have to do is abide in Christ and be open to what he has called for us. And um, he's going to do the pruning. And we feel like we're in the pruning season and he's pruning some things out of our lives, out of me, out of my husband, out of our kids. Um, but hopefully through this, he'll bear much fruit. And um, so with that being said, wherever, day by day, we're learning, like Rod says each time, all that we are and all that we have today, God, moment by moment, we lay it down at your feet. And so... I am Marcy Smith, and I am learning second by second to abide in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's my sister, by the way. I'm a pretty proud brother. Oliphants, come on up. While they're coming up, I just want to say, I know some of you guys can relate uh, to where Marcy and Kevin are. They're, they're just people in process, learning to not be so attached to the world and saying, God, where do you want us to go? And, uh, well, you guys uh, have something on the horizon. And for some of us, our street corner is literally our street corner. Um, sometimes God says, you know what, I want your street corner to be across an ocean. 
And that's what God's doing with you guys. Why don't you tell us about that? So right now our street corners, um, Rosemary and Division in Southeast Grand Rapids, but the 28th of this month, he's going to um, move us for a month to uh, Gabon in West Africa. And um, it's a, a place that um, God kind of started calling me to, and I think Jamie to as well, about a little over a year ago, just a place where there's a lot of poverty and um, spiritual bondage to spirits and things. And so just the journey from when he started calling us um, to this point has been really an amazing time, and God's really been pouring out a lot of shalom on us in different ways, and I just wanted to tell you guys about that. Um, the first thing was, uh, you know, I had kind of been feeling this tug on my heart that that we were to go, um, but uh, I tend to be kind of idealistic and dreamer kind of guy, and so I wanted to be sure that it was God saying go and not me wanting to go, and so I started just praying that um, if God really wanted us to go, that he would he would clearly tell Jamie that because she tends to be kind of the more intuitive and um, insightful person of the two of us. And so um, unbeknownst to her, I started praying that. Um, and a few days later, something pretty awesome happened. Um, I didn't really think it was a good idea because it cost a lot of money and we were going to take our kids and just kind of wanted him to find somewhere else to go, but left it to God and him. And then I had a dream that we were on a plane to Africa and with our kids. And I just said to Jason, what are we doing? We don't have the money for this. We shouldn't be doing this. And he said, don't worry, it's all taken care of and it'll be fine. And I told Jason the dream and he said, that's the answer. God, I asked God to give you an answer and that's it. So we took that as a yes from God and went forth believing that we were going to go, but not sure how we were going to get the funds for it. So we just kept praying over the next few months um, that he would provide, that if he's want us to do this, then he's going to have to foot the bill because we can't. Um, and so um, somehow the cost kept escalating as we found out more about it, found out more expenses that were involved. The cost kept climbing. And one thing, um, the mission that we're going through, um, their tax policy prevents um, our kids' expenses from being paid for through that policy. So we have to pay for it. Um, so one day at work, I check out my email in the morning and got an email saying that um, they're buying our kids plane tickets and it's going to be $2,400. Um, you know, we didn't have $2,400 at that time, so I'm a little anxious, but kind of went along about my day. And that afternoon, though, got a page from Jamie, and um, she had another pretty amazing thing to tell me. Um, I was playing outside with the kids and opened my mail, and um, there was a letter there with no return address. And I opened it, and inside was the verse, Blessed are the feet of those who spread the gospel. And there was a cashier's check for $3,000. And we hadn't written letters. We hadn't done much at all other than tell people and pray. And God put the money in our mailbox. And I just sat there amazed that God would use a normal person like us in that way. And do something I've read in books about missionaries, but never expected to happen in our own lives. And so God's just been awesome in providing for this. And even the last couple months, we had some friends going to Rwanda also with kids, and they had been a little anxious before they were leaving. And um, some of that anxiety, I think, was rubbing off on us, and we were allowing that to kind of get to us a little bit. And we actually had a new couple join our community group. Um, actually, they moved from England. Um, but came to find out through Jamie talking to the, the wife, Ruth, that um, she had actually grown up in Gabon and spent several years growing up there. So they were able to talk, and God just used Ruth to, to allay Jamie's fears and, and therefore to allay mine. And so God has just been amazing and just proven over and over to us again that he is just so faithful to us and that if, if, you'll, um, if he's asking you to do something you think is kind of crazy, just, just go with it and, and open your heart to him and make sure that um, to allow him to, to do what he wants to and just trust him that, that he will provide if he's asking to do something. Isn't this awesome? I mean, I love it. Just a, just a normal person. That's all they are. Doing crazy things. That's what we are. We're just a bunch of normal people. And I'm telling you what, if your life is boring right now, I'll answer the questions. I'll tell you, boredom is an epidemic today. And it's mainly hitting our, our youth, our, my kids, our dad, I'm bored. But it goes all the way up to all ages. We're bored because we've given our life to the American dream. And we think it's going to deliver. And at the end of the day, you know what it delivers? Boredom. And boredom is just one step away from despair. Go read Ecclesiastes this week. But step into the kingdom of heaven, and your life will get exciting. You'll step into the biggest adventure of your life.
Hey, let's pray for these guys. Won't you guys just make your way right in there? Um, we're just going to kind of surround them. I want these guys to know that as they go to Africa for a month, that there's a community of people. Now stop acting like you're in a church and stand up and uh, just try to kind of huddle around these guys. And if I already see Tom Glendenny, he's got his hand up. If you feel like you want to just put your hand up towards them, awesome. And if two or three of you could just loud and proud pray your heart for the Oliphants. Lord, to serve, and we know that, that all it is is just a yes to your calling, Lord, and we thank you that you've given them the strength and courage, Lord, to step through um, some of those things that may Their hearts there. Do huge things, God. God, I just thank you for these two normal people who are willing to do crazy things for you. Feel, Lord, that that's, that's our community, Lord. We're just, we're just a bunch of normal ordinary, probably even less than ordinary people, God. But we love you, and we have a passion for you, and we really believe you. Not just about you, but we, we believe you're a real God who's really here and who's really at work in us and through us to be shade and shalom to a world in chaos. And God, I just feel like this is a picture of the church right now. This is the city of God, Lord. Just a bunch of ordinary people all huddled together uh, before entering the game. We're locked arm in arm with each other. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. We high one another. We pick each other up when we're injured. And we go. And we go. And we do it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Kim Zaitema. Hi, I'm Kim Zaitema, and uh, 18 years ago, I was blessed to be put in a position in Rockford Public Schools teaching first grade. And uh, just reflecting on 18 years of being at Rockford, I have just been amazed at how many doors he has opened and how many opportunities to share Christ in the public school. Uh, one of the ways is just among the staff, I became close friends, obviously, with many of the teachers. I watched a very close friend walk through a very painful death of her mom dying from cancer. And she was not raised in a home of faith, and uh, she really started questioning life after death. And my husband and I invited her and her husband to go to Festival of Lights at Calvary several years ago, and it was there that she heard the gospel. She accepted Christ as her Savior, and it began a journey of walking together and sharing faith, sharing what it means to have Christ as a part of your life. And I started a Bible study with her and uh, several other teachers on the staff, and eventually some of the parents also joined us. And just over the years, it's been so neat to see people from different de denominations come together, some with no faith at all in their upbringing, and just how we sit there and read the Bible together and learn about the one true God. Um, I've also had the opportunity for years now to pray with uh, some of the other people on our staff. We get together after school faithfully, and we pray for families, for children, for staff members, for the Board of Education, and people know we're praying. We ask staff members to send us emails or give us requests of things they'd like us to pray for. And it's just been so neat to see how God just really answered so many prayers and worked in so many ways because people there know we're praying. I've also had the opportunity to have uh, relationships built with the parents. I, years ago, sitting at a service at Calvary Church, the women at Christmas were challenged to have a Christmas tea in their neighborhood and invite the women to into their homes. And as I was sitting there, I was very convicted that I would have the moms of the children in my classroom uh, over for a Christmas tea. 
So that has begun, um, or it has became a tradition at Christmas to have all the moms from my class over to my home. And it's been neat. We share uh, Christmas traditions. We share Christmas memories. And then I have an opportunity to share what Christ means to me at Christmas. And uh, it's just opened so many doors and so many relationships and pathways to share Christ. And most importantly are the little ones that come into my classroom. I could tell you story after story of ways that God has led me to um, just be a part of so many different lives of the little ones. But I'm going to tell you two. One is of a little girl. I started off my teaching career 18 years ago with a bang, and I had a little girl come into my classroom. Her sister was in the classroom next to me, and she was sick with cystic fibrosis. And those two little girls really just had each other to lean on. Their parents were in turmoil. They were going through very, very difficult family struggles. But those two little girls had each other. And um, I, I watched uh, Michelle suffer tremendously with cystic fibrosis, and I held Melissa's hand as we walked through that time together. We would sit in the hospital room with Michelle. We would play games. We would laugh. We would cry and I would share Christ, and then I um, also helped Melissa walk through the death of watching her sister pass away. And it was just such a neat opportunity to be there, to walk alongside of such a little girl struggling so badly. And then last year, a little boy came into my classroom who had a wall of silence built up. He wasn't going to trust any adult. He had a dad in jail. He had a mom who, who knows where she was, who knows if she'd come home at night. Um, and they were placed with an aunt in the trailer park in Rockford and then into my classroom. And he, he didn't have a place to call home. He didn't have a bed, to, you know, to call his bed. He had no bedroom. Um, he didn't know where his meals were coming from that night. The thought of a home-cooked meal was foreign to him. So another mom and myself decided to start packing little uh, lunches for he and his brother and his little sister. So at least we knew at night they were having something halfway decent to eat. We would put lunches in his backpack every night, and he would go home with that food. And boy, they look forward to that. Um, but what's been really neat is we have three kids of our own, and we've really made this into a mission with our family as well. Last summer... Um, we would take them to the park, we would take them out for ice cream, we would take them to the little lake in Rockford and take them swimming. Um, at Christmas time, our family took them to a movie, and it just has been such a neat way to involve now my family. And a couple uh, nights ago, we went to uh, the Toby Mac concert. One of his big songs with DC Talk was Jesus Freak. And he made a quote that was awesome. He, he just said, being a Jesus freak, or the sign of a true Jesus freak, is your love for the least. And that is my heart's desire, that I would just be known as a teacher, that my classroom would be known as a place of shelter. They may not get it at home, but they know when they can come in my room, they're going to get a hug, they're going to get a smile, and they're going to be told that they're loved. So um, my name is Kim Zaitema, and teaching has been my mission. Real quick, um, just ask me to just like pray for you and intercede for you. And I feel like this is for all of us. And I just like hear you three times now, three services. And Wade, as I said earlier today, you're looking sharp today, man. Just trying to keep up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wade, Wade came, I think, probably the first Sunday here, right? And you haven't left. And uh, I remember you, those early days, man, just helping Libby every, every weekend and uh, high five to you on that. Um, but I remember probably three, four months into this thing, you pulled me aside and you said, right, I got I to gotta share with you something that's happened to me. And yeah, we went to the Applebee's way over there in Granville. And uh, your brother Dustin was there. And it's kind of like, wow, what's this guy going to share? And you just went on to just share how you had uh, gotten a girl pregnant and you didn't know what to do and that your world was completely turned upside down. And uh, I just want you to take it from here because I really feel like before we get to the story about how you were shade out there, God wanted you 
to first of all be shade to the people closest to you. Well, like everyone said, it doesn't get any easier the third time doing this, but when Rod asked me, he actually asked me on Thursday, which I, I don't know if that's how you always plan your sermons or what, but... <laughs> I told you guys last week we do this. <laughs> he didn't tell me, though. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but he, he said, hey, if you do this, I'll take you golfing. <laughs> and I said, well, what's the big... I mean, I play golf, I play golf three times a week. What's, I mean, what's the big deal? What's 20 bucks? Then I remember, I've never played at Pebble Listen Beach. Listen to me, the clock's ticking. Now let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, in all seriousness, um, I can't, I, you know, my, my world got kind of turned upside down. Um, and I was at a point where I didn't know what to do. Um, and at first, I, uh, I turned to God and I said, hey, me and God, we're going to take care of this. He's taken care of me my whole life. Um, and we're going to be fine. And I, uh, I had a little game plan of how it was going to work. Um, you know, I had it all spelled out in my head how it was going to work, and when I, uh, when I tried to get God to go along with it, he, for some reason, didn't want to go along with my plan. <laughs> um, and when, when I found out that God wasn't going to be along with me, I, I decided that I'd just do it myself um, because I knew how it should go, and if he didn't want to come along, that was fine. Um, I still kept coming to Crossroads every week, um, you know, part of me, I'd sit in the back and I'd say, man, if you guys had any idea what was going on in my life, first of all, you probably won't let me be around your kids and, you know, take care of your kids. But the other thing I, I you know, I thought, you guys are crazy, man. If you knew what was going on in my life, you'd know that there, there may not even be a God. You know, I went through a point where it was, I, if, if God was real, how could my life be so hard? Um, and I, I went through that for probably about six months. Um, and then one day, you know, it got, it got to a point where I was like, you know what, I got to get out of here. Um, I got to figure some stuff out. So uh, I thought it was a real smart thing to uh, get in my truck at 11 o'clock at night and go for a drive. Um, had no idea where I was going or how long I was going to drive for. Um, at 5 in the morning, um, I was in the middle of Ohio and I fell asleep. Um, rolled my truck down the highway three times. Um, when I, when I came to, I, I looked and there was a, a semi truck coming at me. So I freaked out and I opened up my door and I ran off the highway. Um, and five or six people saw the, saw the whole accident, um, and were there to, you know, be witness to the cops or whatever. And all five of those people said that they saw two people run out of my car. Um, and for the last three years, I've, I've tried to tell myself that that wasn't real, you know, that these people just saw something else or whatever. But, um, <clears throat> it, I mean, it was a real thing that happened. I, I had no injuries. I had, you know, at 75 miles an hour, rolled my truck three times and, and walked away from it. Um, and so I, through that, I learned that, I mean, God's going to be there for me um, regardless of whether I want him to or not. Um, the other thing I learned in this experience was that you don't know what you're going to do in a situation until you've been faced with it. Um, I grew up I grew up in a good Christian home who, uh, with great Christian values. Uh, my parents were big, um, big members or big supporters of uh, Baptist for Life and Right to Life, and, and every election was decided on the abortion issue, um, and that was all that mattered um, in, in my house. Um, but then all of a sudden I was faced with, okay, you can either make a decision that you know is wrong or you can go tell your parents what you did and tell your girlfriend's parents what you did. And for, for a period of about a week, I decided that my best option was to um, look into an abortion. So I find myself searching abortion clinics in West Michigan, just crazy thoughts that I'd never thought that I would have. Um, you know, grew up thinking that there was there was good people and there was bad people, and bad people had abortions and bad people thought about abortions. Good people, no matter what you did, you, you would never think about, an abortion is the worst thing you could do. Um, but that, that's where I was. Um, and it, strangely enough, it, I, I drove by bumper stickers and billboards that said I couldn't have an abortion, and oddly enough, that didn't change my mind. Um, 
it took someone actually coming into my life and my brother was my brother was there the whole time wouldn't, wouldn't leave my side um, drove me to class and you know he waited for me outside so he didn't know what I was going to do if he wasn't there <clears throat> one night when I had my mind made up he, he looked at me I'll never forget where we were he looked at me and he said someday we're going to stand in front of God and tell him what we did and I said, what do you mean? We're not going to. I'm going to. And he said, no, it's not just you anymore. And that just really, that changed my whole, um, changed my whole thinking about a lot of things that, you know, there's people who, who you can go to and there's people who have compassion for your situation no matter what it is. Um, and he was one of those people and that's what changed, that's what changed my life, not the rules or what I'd learned my whole life, someone actually coming in and, and standing beside me and saying, look, I'm here for you. I don't care what you do. I'm here, always. It's not you anymore. We're not a bunch of islands, a bunch of individuals. We're a we community. And we bear burdens and we share burdens. And we weep with those who weep, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And we will stand before him someday as a community. So let's get used to it right now, being a we. Talk to us in one minute or two about this thing that happened last uh, couple weeks ago. Um, I, uh, I always pray with my daughter every night that uh, if someone doesn't have something, um, they can come to our house. I don't know how else to explain, you know, like how to a three-year-old, how do you explain needy people and, you know, what they should do? So we always just say, help them show up at our doorstep. Well, about three weeks ago, um, me and my wife were watching TV at about 11 o'clock at night and someone shows up at our doorstep, pounding and screaming, help me, help me. Um, at first I thought it was a joke, didn't know what to do. Um, you know, I'm terrified. And so I, I told my wife to go get the door. <laughs> No, you didn't. He did not say that. <laughs> I at least I asked her to come along with me. But when I got to the door, this, there was a guy standing in sweatpants and uh, socks. No shoes, no shirt. Um, it was the coldest night of the year. It was below zero. Um, and he turns out he was a homeless guy. Um, his tent had started on fire, and he was just burnt to a crisp. Um, I mean, you couldn't even, you could barely recognize him. Um, and he... You know, he's like, please let me in, call 911. Um, and I was able to, you know, let him in, call 911, put some blankets on him, you know, help him out for a little bit. We've been able to since um, go down to the hospital a few times, um, talk with him, kind of share our story of why we were there and, you know, the circumstances that led us to be up at 11 o'clock at night with our, you know, bright light shining with the shades open. Um, and just, uh, you know, through that, I've, I've realized that, it, uh, how do I, I mean, there's, there's tons of needy people around, but I always thought they were in Africa and they were, you know, they were too far away from me. This guy was living in my backyard. Um, and sadly he, he walked, he walked a mile to get to my house. He drove by, or he walked by numerous cars who wouldn't stop for him, um, knocked on three other doors who wouldn't let him in. Um, and he was just so thankful that, um, that I opened my door and called 911. And just talking to him and, and him, he was almost scared to come to my door. Um, and that just blew me away. I mean, if I'm burnt, I'm, I'm kicking down your door. And I'm grabbing, you know what I mean? But we've taught these people that they, they don't even deserve to be in our house, even if they're near death. We're not going to let them into our house. And that's how he felt about it. And I just got this feeling that that's, that's not right and something needs to change and People need help regardless of the decisions that they make in their life. I just feel like you gave us a picture. If this stuff's going to go on like crazy, and Jesus says, what you do to them, it's as if you did it to me. And are we going to be a community of people that's going to have our doors wide open and our arms wide open for people in chaos? God bless you, man.
you guys. Yeah, I know. This is double trouble right here. <laughs> I mean that in a good way. Here you go, Beth. We're going to talk really fast. <laughs> We're a little long-winded. Um, my name is Beth Hughley, and this is Leslie Glendenning, and we are co-directors of Hearts and Step Christian Dance Academy. Um, Leslie and I are not dancers, and you wouldn't want to see us dance. It's not pretty. But God has um, a way of using the unlikely, and he called us to start a Christian dance studio in Grand Rapids. Uh, we have daughters who love to dance, and when they were in fourth grade or so, we decided to start a little Bible study in our neighborhood. Um, we go to, our kids go to a public school, and we wanted them to see that there were other Christians in their class. And uh, we did this little Bible study and decided to teach them a little dance just to introduce them to Christian music. And when we got done with the um, study, the, at the end of the summer, the parents said, okay, great, what are you going to do next? Like, that's it. That's all we got. We don't have anything else. And it really wasn't that good. So that's all we've got. But we... Um, we really were just, we saw our kids have an opportunity, our girls who love to dance, um, what it was like to dance for the Lord, for His glory. And we um, wanted them to have more of that and not have to compromise their beliefs um, in order to take dance instruction, which was it was a hard thing. It was very difficult. So um, we prayed about it, and we asked that God would show us a way to make this happen, and we ended up um, inviting 25 little girls into Leslie's basement for a year and taught some dance instruction there. Today, we have um, over 600 students. They're not all in Leslie's basement. We have <laughs> moved to a new location, but we have over 600 students that are um, coming through our doors each week, uh, learning to dance with excellence for him. Um, and it has just been a joy to be a part of. I know that um, the passion in, in Beth and I that we both have is that uh, we live in an MTV world, and our babies, we call them babies, whether they're 3 or 20, it doesn't matter. Um, but our babies are being bombarded with a message of um, and images, and the world standard is not... Um, God's standard, and we wanted so much more of that for them, and we knew we only had a small window of opportunity with these girls, and so it, we, it has been such a privilege, and God has brought an amazing staff to us. Um, we have teachers that, some are part of this crossroads, so exciting, and <laughs> we have many who have danced professionally around the world and have come to know Jesus, and that is what they want to do, is they want to pour in this community and they all have a story of their own that has brought them to Grand Rapids and we are just know it was an answer to our prayers that they are here um, but they love the kids they love these kids and they go above and beyond and they have lunch with them at their schools and they are just trying to help them figure out what it looks like to be a Christian in a world that is weary and we have um, tried to really pour into them that the, it's not all about them and it's all about God and we know that we also live in a world that um, American Idol, and so you think you can dance is big in our culture, um, where man judges. And so we are just trying to teach them that it's not man who tells you if you're good enough. You are good enough. And so we are just, we love these babies. Beth and I do not know what we're doing from day to day. And we come here, and we get so inspired by the sermons and the music, and we talk, 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 talk afterward, like, we're going to take that back, and we're going to do that. We're gonna... <laughs> so, and at the end of the year performance, we don't have what we, a typical recital, um, we do an outreach performance where we allow the students to have an impact on the community. Um, last year we told the story of Leah, again inspired, and um, just the freedom when we take our focus off of life, when we look, stop looking around and start looking up. And um, it's, just, it's just been such a privilege. And um, I could talk on and on, but I have a feeling that I probably should stop. So, <laughs> Good job. Okay. Well, just to wrap up, Leslie and I feel so honored and privileged that we're able to um, join with God in this um, mission that he has for our lives and our families' lives. It has had a huge impact on us, and it's just been... Um, 
you know, an amazing experience. We know that some of these kids may go on someday and they'll be well-trained and be able to be professional dancers. Many of them will not. And we just want their experience when they've been with us to be a big object lesson, that they feel like um, anything that they do, anything that God calls them to do, that they just need to do it for him. And so that is really what our mission is. And um, we love it. it it's, if God had told us that this is what we were going to be doing seven years ago, we would have laughed and ran for the hills. So um, we, we're just so thankful that, you know, he revealed just enough to us each day that we were able to um, go along for the ride, and it's been a blast. Thank you so much. My name is Mike, and I've uh, been married to Sharon for about 12 years, and we have two kids, and we live in East Grand Rapids. Uh, but since September, um, my street corner has been on the corner of Marion and, and Bridge. Uh, and it's because Ryan Walkus had just been bugging me to come down to his coffee shop. And uh, so finally, when uh, Derek Tages and I went down there and, and visited, and, uh, I found out that it was actually a a real coffee shop. Uh, I thought Ryan was going to be sitting out there with a 30-cupper and just giving out coffee, and it wasn't that at all. It was uh, free Wi-Fi and magazines and cocoa and coffee and bagels and just a great, great outreach to a really needy community and uh, where people can come from that neighborhood and, and, and find refuge and warmth and, and coffee and, and people that love them um, with no agenda. Everything is absolutely free. Everything there has been donated, and uh, they don't have to uh, sign anything or read Romans to have a, have a bagel and some coffee. They just can come in, and some come in once, and I never see them again. And some come in every day for four hours. Um, and it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. And so um, uh, the place is called The Pavilion, and it's a, it's a ministry of uh, the Bridge Street House of Prayer. And... Uh, what has happened to me is, is uh, I kind of had to take on my Grandma Delta's uh, philosophy, and, and, and that was pray that everybody you come in contact with uh, is made to feel important. Um, and so every Monday night, um, everybody that comes through the front door, uh, my goal is to look at them through the eyes of Jesus. And it's, it's, it's difficult at times because I'm, I'm a sinner, and I'm very, very critical, and I judge people, and I hide it really well. Um, but it's true. And God has really changed my heart on that. And um, I had the privilege of sitting down with one of my buddies who comes in there all the time, and, and uh, uh, he had a smile on his face and just wouldn't. So I just had to ask him, I said, I said Jeff, what do, you, what do you like best about the pavilion? And he says, it feels good. <laughs> I said, no kidding, it's six degrees out. It feels great in here. This is, this is coffee is tasting good and the bagels are awesome. And he, and he said, no, it's just, it's not that. It really feels good when people love me and care about me and serve me coffee. And, you know, some people eat eight, nine donuts and one, you know, and it's, it's crazy to see how these people can come in here and they just, they just devour the love that we have for them and, and, and food as well as just sit with us and, and uh, share their lives with us and it's changed my life. And uh, it's proved to me that I need to look at everyone the same. Don't judge, don't be critical. I don't know their story. I don't know anything about them. But God has really, really shown me that I need to get out of my comfy neighborhood and go share my life, share my time, and I have such a great wife that just says, go, because she knows I can't wait to get there. So I love the opportunity to, to, to serve coffee. And I, my name is Mike, and I just praise God that uh, people are coming to know Jesus through coffee. What's your street corner? What are you doing about it? 
Let's stand. God, as I said to Libby last night after gathering, and it, it, it just, I feel the same thing right now, Lord. I, I just, I love this community. And God, it's, it's just such a privilege for me to, to be a part of a community of just ordinary people who have such a hunger in their heart for you to know you, not just know about you, but to walk with you and to do life with you and to experience all that you have to offer. And then we just offer that to the world. And I thank you that I'm a part of a community, Lord, that's taken steps towards that. I just feel right now, Lord, like I'm back in my high school days, Lord, in, in the locker room uh, with the basketball team or the football team just before a big game, Lord. God, we're so ready to take the field. We just love you, God.